Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. How you doing, everyone? I'm Russ Salzberg, and I want you all to listen up and get a load of this. Here we are at Super Bowl week, and it's not without controversy. The New Orleans Saints and their many fans are still whining about being robbed in the NFC Championship game. Get over it, will you please? Another issue that's being beaten into the ground. Black coaches and diversity in the NFL. We'll tackle that issue as well. Plus... In baseball, why are two of the game's biggest free agents still unsigned on the market? So like I said, listen up, because you're really going to want to get a load of this. All right, as I said, it is Super Bowl week. You got your Rams, you got your Patriots, and everybody is trying to get into the game with their own business. Controversy. You know, I'll get into the game in a little bit and give you my prediction. But, um, you know, first I want to talk about this nonsense ad nauseum with the New Orleans Saints and their fans. You know, I spoke about it with you, uh, you know, after the game about the NFC Championship game, you know, with the, the pass interference call that wasn't called. I get it. And as I said at the time, Blown call, no ifs, ends, or buts about it. The refs missed it. Okay? No ifs, ends, or buts about it. The refs missed it. That's it. They missed it. Okay. They're not the first. That was not the first game where the refs missed a big call. Get the hell over it. Will you please? I'm hearing Sean Payton, I'm hearing the players, I'm hearing some putz uh, lawyer who wants to sue or sue in the NFL, I'm seeing billboards in New Orleans. Enough! You're not the first team that was robbed. And by the way, when you say robbed, let me explain something to you. It was a missed call, Okay. You, it was a bad call, granted. And I'm explaining this for a reason. It was a bad call. If the call would have went your way, don't assume, as I said time and time again, when you assume you can make an ass out of you and me, okay? Felix Unger told that to Oscar Madison in the uh, odd couple. But that's the deal. Because the assumption that 
automatically they were going to win the game is it's bullshit. It's not automatically that they were going to win the game. It doesn't work that way. Would it have been a chip shot field goal? Yeah. Do chip shot field goals get missed? Yeah. Yeah, they do. As I said a week ago. Or two weeks ago, whatever the hell it was. You remember Tony Romo? For Dallas, when Parcells was the head coach, it was a chip shot field goal to win the game with like a buck left in the game or a buck, less than a buck and a half left in the game. Chip shot field goal. Tony Romo botched the hold. Case closed, game over. Seattle wins. Dallas loses. Don't assume anything. It's ridiculous. And sometimes you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, what the F just happened? What did I do wrong to put us in this predicament? And, and the same, and we're still talking about this effing game. It's over. We should be just concentrating on a Super Bowl. And I, I still, and people still got to hear about the New Orleans Saints. Nobody to this day, I, I mean, I've been talking about this. Nobody to this day, hey, Sean Payton, how come first and 10 at the 13-yard line, first down at the 13-yard line, you got the ball with a buck 58 left and like a schmuck you're throwing on first down, incomplete to stop the clock? The one thing that you didn't want to happen, you made happen. But here's the other thing. So the game regulation ended up tied. It ended up tied. And the New Orleans Saints got the ball first. So the New Orleans Saints still were in the driver's seat. Still could have won the game. But their all-time great future Hall of Fame can't-miss quarterback Throws an interception. Should we assume that was going to happen? No, we can't assume that was going to happen. He threw the interception. And there you go. The Rams win the game on a 57-yard field goal. Enough. Stop. Don't make like, you know, your Saints didn't get other opportunities. They got the ball first in overtime. I feel terrible. You know, nobody likes that to happen. And, you know, I feel bad for the refs. But it happened, and we're still talking about that shit. It's absolutely absurd. It's absolutely absurd. And and now, you know, we're hearing other things like, well, the NFL, now the NFL might have to, um, you know, they got to look at the rules. And when the rules committee gets together, because first of all, folks, to change a rule or to implement something, you need 24 of the 32 owners, 24 of the 32 teams 
to agree. That necessarily, that's not happening either. But when they talk about, well, we, we got to go into a, uh, maybe, you know, that's the big thing now uh, to review pass interference calls. So let me ask you a question, folks. Why is a pass interference call more important than a bad roughing the passer call or a bad holding call or any bad call? Why is it more important? And then I'm I'm hearing some kind of nonsense. Well, you know, maybe we should have those calls reviewed in the last couple of minutes. Why, Why is that? Why is a horseshit call in the last two minutes more important than a horseshit call in the last five minutes? Or the first five minutes, for that matter. It's just stupid. I mean, the only thing that you do in, in by doing it in the final two minutes, like, for example, of a game, so you want to make sure that the spotlight because that's maybe that's when the spotlight, the, the focus is magnified in the last couple of minutes of a game. So you can say, well, you know, at least the end of the game wasn't marred by a controversial call. What the hell difference? A controversial bad call is a controversial bad call. It happens anytime. But really, this, this Saints business is a bunch of garbage. It, it really is. And I, I haven't heard Sean Payton or any of their fans say, what the, why was he throwing a freaking ball on first down with a buck 58 left in the game? I'll say it again till I'm blue in the face. I, I don't even remember now if they had three or two timeouts left. But even if they had three timeouts left, you would have forced the Rams to use all three of their timeouts if you ran, ran, ran. That means, worst case scenario, for the Rams, okay, the worst worst case scenario for you guys, that you would have had a three-point lead if you kicked the field goal, and the Rams would have got the ball with no timeouts left and less than a buck to play. But what do you do? Oh, well, you throw on first down, then you run, then on you throw on third down which was the pass interference that wasn't called, so you stopped the clock twice. N- nobody asked Sean Payton, and Sean Payton hasn't answered any of that. He was covering his own ass by belly aching about the call. You think that that's the first bad call in a playoff game? L- let me remind you something, f- folks. Let me remind you of a play. M- maybe you don't recall uh, some of you, 2002 playoffs, Giants in San Francisco. Giants, unfortunately, blew a 24-point lead. They were trailing 39-38. Candlestick Park, they were trailing 39-38. Okay. There was an attempt, uh, the Giants had attempted a 41, a 41-yard field goal with six seconds left. The snap was bad. The holder, 
attempted to what the heck was uh, I forget his name. Pardon me. Trey Junkins was the snapper. Um, what was the guy's name? Allen, Allen, Allen. Matt Allen. Matt Allen was the holder. Didn't hold on to the ball. He scrambled. He threw the ball downfield. He threw it to offensive lineman Rich Seubert, who reminded the officials First of all, at the beginning of the game, but then he reminded the officials before the play that he was an eligible receiver. Allen threw downfield, and he was tackled at the five-yard line. Game can't end on a defensive uh, penalty. Like, flags were all over the field. Guess what happened? The flags were thrown by the officials who said ineligible receiver downfield game over Giants lose 39-38 when the Giants saw all the flags on the field they were rejoicing and um, you know that was the end of that you think that was the first bad call it was a 41 yard field goal attempt 41 yard field goal attempt now who is in charge? Who is the director of NFL's officiating then? He's now like a part of the uh, Fox broadcast team, Mike uh, Pereira. Mike Pereira had said they blew it. The officials blew it. They called the Giants up the next day, told them the officials blew it. And I, I, I did some homework on this. I looked it up. If... What happened was, apparently, Pereira, he determined that there was pass interference that should have been called. Now, if pass interference should have been called, Giants would have gotten a ball down then. But, however, Pereira also determined that another Giants lineman, Tam Hopkins, was guilty of going downfield as an ineligible receiver. I'm quoting Pereira. If the defensive pass interference had been called, there would have been offsetting penalties with the down replayed at the original line of scrimmage. Although time had expired, a game cannot end with offsetting penalties. Thus, the game would have been extended by one untimed play. So the Giants got it stuck up their keister. They didn't get a chance for another, let's say, 41-yard field goal. If, if, there, if it was offsetting penalties, if it was just uh, pass interference, they would have got the ball at the five. So there's no gimme, uh, you know, from 41 yards. But there's never a gimme anyway. The point is, it's not the first bad call. The refs were reminded that he was an eligible receiver, Soybert. They still blew the call. They still blew the call. Okay, stop beating it into the ground. It's over. It's done. So, Saint fans, get over it. Shit happens. You are not the first team to get beaten up. But now, because we're in this world of social media and and, and Yada, 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 and everybody jumps on it. Let's make a controversy. Let's go on ad nauseum. Let's, oh, it's terrible. And, and, and people who don't know, the, if a football came up and bit them on the ass, they wouldn't know the difference. 
But I like I'm watching news nightly news, not sports. People who don't give a rat's ass about sports are all getting involved in this bad play. I got people stopping me on the street. I, I park my car in a garage. They're still talking to me about it. I walk in a hallway here. They're still talking about it. Enough! Stop beating it into the ground. Saints lost the game. But even after that bad call, they had a chance to go ahead They got the ball first in overtime, and your great quarterback, no ifs, ands, or buts about his tremendous talent, Drew Brees, threw an interception. Hello. Goodbye. Game over. You lose. Tough shit. Stop whining about it. But crying out loud, please stop whining about it. You're taking away from what shapes up to be a very good football game. What shapes up to be a very, very good football game. I I think this is going to be, unless I'm wrong, unless I'm totally miscalculating everything, I think this will be a very, very entertaining football game. I think you have two exciting teams. I think it's two interesting well, it's, it's certainly two interesting um, coaches. You got Belichick, who, of course, is you know, uh, I you know, my guy is still Lombardi. When you want to talk about the greatest coach of all time, but you know, I I can't argue. I'm certainly not going to argue if you you like Belichick. Not not in the least, okay. Not in the least. So I'm not going to argue about that. But you got a, a a guy who's going to his ninth, and you got this 33-year-old whiz kid, who is a whiz kid, Sean McVay, going to his first, who's done a tremendous job, and youth is being served there. Because let me tell you something. He's a terrific young coach, and the his players respond to him. I'm leaning towards the Rams in this game. And why am I leaning towards the Rams in this game? Because I think the Rams have the capability to do what the Giants were able to do in two Super Bowls against the same Patriots. When I say the same Patriots, obviously a lot of different faces, same quarterback, same head coach. And that is they were able to rough... Tom Brady up. There's no question about him. He is the greatest of all time. And he doesn't like being roughed up. If you're going to get to the Patriots, you got to get to Brady and rough him up. And with uh, Sue and Donald, they can rough him up. So I believe they have the capability to do that. And um, I don't know. If you're asking me, I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with thirty twenty seven. Mm, yeah, I'm gonna go with thirty twenty seven Rams. So that's my pick for that. Okay, thirty twenty seven Rams. Now let's get to another controversy. 
this business of, you know, and I'm, I almost hate bringing it up because I know I'm going to get some yahoos calling me, oh, Russ, that's racist bullshit. You know, you're not being fair. No, I, I think some of the accusations aren't being fair as well. I'm all for the Rooney rule. I think it's a good rule. I think it's important to have diversity amongst the coaches in the NFL. I really do. But this business of and, – and, and I was thinking about it anyway, and then, then it just so happened I see in a paper this week uh, uh, Karan Phillips in the Daily News, who quite frankly is as racist as anybody can be. Is starting with his bullshit. I mean, this guy attacked um, Jim Brown in the past because Brown said something he liked that Trump was doing. So, so you know, the, the, well, then Jim Brown is a bad guy. You know, I mean, Jim Brown has done a lot more for, for black issues in the National Football League and for people in general than this Karan Phillips will ever do. But the big talk has been, and, and I was sitting Sunday night, this past Sunday, I'm sitting, and I was watching, you know, this evening news on NBC, and there they're doing a story on the lack of what's happened with blackhead coaches in the National Football League. Oh, okay. Okay. Of the eight coaches that were fired on Black Monday, five were black. You know what? Here's an age-old adage in all sports. Coaches and managers are hired to be fired. That comes with the territory. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. White coaches, black coaches, Yellow coaches, blue coaches, green coaches, brown coaches, pink coaches. Everybody knows it. Coaches are hired to be fired. And because they're replaced by white coaches doesn't mean there's racism involved. It just doesn't. I mean, coaches are hired to be fired. You know, I, I, I don't say this sarcastically. I remember years ago, somebody said it. I, I forget who, who quoted it. You, you know, when when, uh, um, when gays were, you know, you know, there was the fight for same-sex marriages, and certainly it was their right to be married. And and but then you had people complaining that they shouldn't have the right to be married. It's got to be a man and a woman. And and somebody said. Gays got a right to be as miserable in marriage as we do, as heterosexuals. And he said it in a joking way. Well, ditto with blackhead coaches. Blackhead coaches get hired to be fired, same deal as whitehead coaches. Now, I'm not naive here. I do understand you want more of a pipeline. I do get that. Here's, here's part of the issue. There are always trends in football. 
there are always trends. And not, not just in football. You can do, do it in all sports. There are always trends. For example, you know, I'm, I'm sure, especially if, if Sean McVay and the Rams are successful, you're going to be people seeing people to look at, let's not be afraid of hiring a young guy to be our head coach and building our future around some 30-year-old guy. It's, it sets a trend. In the National Football League, a lot of the trend of late has been to hire offensive coaches as head coaches. Okay? I do not have the statistic, but there are more defensive uh, black coaches on defense in the National League, National Football League, than offensive coaches. It's a trend. Doesn't mean it's for good. It's a trend. It happens. It's a trend. You know, I pulled out the Giants media guy last night. There are 20 coaches on the Giants. Pat Shermer is the head coach. He's got 19 assistants. Of the 19 assistants on the New York Giants, nine are black. I don't think there's a problem with diversity there. I'm just talking about the Giants now. So, I, I, I just, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, if you want to think I'm being narrow-minded and naive, go ahead. But I'll fight you on that. I do get it. And I think the NFL, when they meet or they discuss their diversity, they'll probably talk about, you know, making sure there's a balance of offensive and defensive coaches of diversity. But let's not make it like this glaring thing like the NFL doesn't like blackhead coaches. Eight coaches were fired on Black Monday, no pun intended, and five of them were black. Sorry, that happens. Sorry, that happens. I, I just I just don't like it. You know, remember a couple of years ago? And here's the other thing about that, for example. If you're going to tell me, like, white coaches replaced the black coaches. Well, I'll tell you what. Give me names of the black coaches that you say should have been picked instead of the white coaches. But see, nobody has the balls to do that. I understand. You want to get more on a pipeline? That's fine. But let's not make it, you know, because this is the grand stage. It's the NFL. Just like, you know, it's the same thing. Oh, you, I, I, I can't wait to hear some of this. Like, um, I'll bet there's going to be issues made, you know, criticizing Maroon 5 and uh, Travis Scott and Big Boy performing at the Super Bowl. I'm waiting to see if somebody has the balls to criticize uh, um, Gladys Knight for singing the national anthem. Oh, we got the we got the Super Bowl stage, so let's make it an issue. 
right? Come on. You know, it was the same thing as they were saying a few years back. Remember that there were no uh, blacks, no African-Americans had been uh, nominated at the Academy Awards. So all hell broke loose. I did not hear. I did not hear one person, black or white, tell me, okay, well, which black person should have been nominated in place of a white person? Who should be in and who should be out? Nobody had the balls to say that. They just had the balls to complain because there was no uh, African-Americans nominated. And I remember the interviews with some people, some African uh, African-Americans of high caliber, high substance, high standard in the entertainment uh, business. One's by the name of Denzel Washington. Yeah, okay, so that was basically his answer. Shit happens. The other was Lee Daniels, famous director, Precious, The Butler. His answer was, go out and do your job. Folks, I'm not stupid here. I'm well aware that racism exists in this country. Well aware. I have supported the players in the National Football League for protesting what they feel is injustice. But enough is enough. You, you know, this Karan Phillips in the newspaper, so he, he go, goes ahead and uh, he, he, he's talking about how the news spoke to a combination of players from both the Rams and Patriots, asking them about the importance that black coaches have had on their lives. All right. Well, let me ask you a question. I mean, is that not a loaded question by going to ask black players who are raised in black communities that obviously the black coaches are going to have an effect on their lives the same way as white coaches had an effect on players' lives? How come they didn't ask? Karan Phillips in his horseshit column is asking players, they're asking black players about the effect of black coaches on their lives. Why, why wasn't he being fair on a level playing field and asking black players, how about as kids in college and growing up in peewee football all the way up, how about the white coaches have an effect on your lives? Tell us about that. What, what all white coaches have negative effects on black players' lives? That's why I can't stand, that's why I call, I'll, Call him a Karan Phillips a racist every time because it's bullshit. It's just not fair. I mean, think about that. He he lists f- five guys, four or five guys. Uh, w- 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 the effect of black coaches having on their lives. Oh, okay. Well, if I'm sure if you're coming from Compton or Harlem, or certain places, you know, or or Watts, or wherever. Uh, Come on! What kind of loaded question is that? 
I guess no black kids ever prospered from a white coach. Boy, was that horse shit. He should be ashamed of himself, and quite frankly, the Daily News should be ashamed of themselves for allowing that to happen. That is loaded bullshit. That's all that is. I think it's just disgraceful. If you want to make an issue of something, be fair about the issue. Otherwise, shut up. Because all you're doing is spreading divisiveness. That's all you're doing. You're spreading divisiveness. All right. So now let's get to uh, baseball. There seems to be, not there seems to be, there is the issue. You got two superstars, Manny Machado and Bryce Hopper. The biggest names on the free agent market for baseball remaining unsigned. I mean, you got less than a month to spring training. You got less than a month to spring training. And you say, how can this be? And, you know, I I saw Evan Longoria uh, a little while back, made an issue, made some comments. You know, he was complaining that um, he can't understand. In fact, I'll read it to you. We are less than a month from the start of spring training. This is Evan Longoria, third baseman, of course, with the Giants. Well, less than a month away from the start of spring training, and once again, some of our game's biggest stars remain unsigned. Such a shame. It seems every day now someone is making up a new analytical tool to devalue players, especially free agents. Doesn't say nothing about how agents make up a new analytical tool to help the free agents. As fans, why should value for your team even be a consideration? It's not your money. It's money that players have worked their whole lives to get to that level and be deserving of. Bottom line, fans should want the best players and product on the field for their team. And as players, we need to stand strong for what we believe we are worth and continue to fight for the rights we have fought for time and time again. Let's hold on here a second. So, So Longoria, who I have always liked, Longoria is basically saying fans shouldn't care about anything. Just go ahead and spend the money. That's like P.T. Barnum saying a sucker is born uh, every day or a sucker is born every minute. There is no doubt in my mind how terrific players both Bryce Harper and Manny Machado are. Here's what the problem is. The amount of money. We're not talking $200 million. We're not talking $200 million. We're talking in excess of $300 million. Between $300 and $400 million. They, people were talking about Bryce Harper being the first $40 million a year ball player. I'm sorry, folks. That's not collusion. I would love either guy on my teams. That's not collusion. 
It's not collusion when some common sense has prevailed. There has to be a limit. I always love when they talk about collusion on owner's parts. It's never collusion on the uh, agent's part because they're always talking amongst one another. Well, don't have your guy sign yet because it helps my guy and blah, 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 blah. You know, that's how that, that, that works. Okay? But really, I mean, Robbie Cano, was it like $100 million, you know, left on his contract? I mean, owners don't want to get stuck on that on a back end. You know, maybe the first five years are great, but you don't know. We're not talking about, and that's like a $200 million deal. We're talking about three in excess of $300 million. You do the math. You might be rejoicing for the first four or five years. What happens if when it goes completely downhill? You're sucking on $150 million or so? Give me a break. Sometimes, you know, I hate to say it, guys, sometimes you price yourself out. God bless Scott Boris. He has gotten his guys big money. But you want to know what? Sometimes it doesn't work out for the owners. Doesn't work out for the owners. Think the Yankees were thrilled about the last few years of uh, A-Rod's career? I mean, come on. We're talking about common sense. It's, it's basic common sense. They're two, Bryce Harper, is, I mean, I always thought Bryce Harper was going to be a Yankee. I always did. And I think if they, they didn't go after um, a Stanton last year, I think Bryce Harper would be a Yankee. But shoulda, woulda, coulda, that's not the deal. I'm I'm just saying, you know, I can't be mad at owners for doing due diligence. I just can't. It's not fair. I I can't criticize guys who aren't prepared to spend in excess of $300 million for a contract. I mean, come on. Just can't. And one more point I want to bring up. I had the pleasure the other night of watching this new documentary on HBO about the late Jimmy Breslin and Pete Hamill. Two guys who wrote about the city like nobody ever wrote about the city. Giants. Two guys who never went to college. And were the best of the best. And if they were writing today, they'd still be the best of the best. I all I, I, I strongly suggest to all of you, young and old, you know, Spike Lee was in, in, the, um, in the documentary and he was talking how you, you, you read Breslin and, and Hamill every day because you wanted to know what was going on. They, they were covering the street. 
you know, in full disclosure here, because I've had him on before, and I'll probably have him on in a couple of weeks to talk about the documentary. I had uh, uh, Pete Hamill's younger brother, Dennis, a few times here, and who's a not good, great writer on it, in his own right. But, you know, they wrote about the street. They captured everything. Everything. I, I mean, the son of Sam w- w- was getting in contact with Jimmy Breslin. Jimmy Breslin, when when President Kennedy, JFK, was assassinated, there was like 3,000, th- th- it was like a mob of, of reporters. I, I forget where it was, whether it was a press conference at the White House or something, and Breslin said, I can't go this. You know what Breslin did? He went to the cemetery, and it's legendary. It's a legendary column. He spoke to the grave digger who was digging the grave for John Fitzgerald Kennedy. That's knowing what you're doing. That's a guy who quit high school. So I I, I strongly suggest all of you, you know, after you get done, well, maybe, you, you know, you got time. Uh, but it, you know, if you want to wait till you're footballed out and Super Bowl is over, I strongly suggest you go ahead and watch this documentary on HBO. It, it's it's not good; it's outstanding. If you didn't know anything about Jimmy Breslin and Pete Hamill, it's right there in front of you, and I I guarantee you. I don't care how old you are, if you're a millennial or a senior citizen, senior citizen, you will eat it up. It is that good. Breslin and Hamill. And right now, as one of those two great guys might say, that's a wrap, folks. Right here, I want to thank all of you for getting a load of this. And as always, I like to get a load of you. Let me know your thoughts on today's podcast. You can contact me on Twitter at Russ Salzberg. You can contact me on Facebook. You can also visit my website. Real simple. It's at Russ Salzberg. Uh, it's russsalzberg.com. My thanks to the big man across the way, Crash, a.k.a. Mike Caragliano, to uh, the head of the OG Podcast Network, Chris Rudsky, to my outstanding OG Podcast Network producer, Tim Einickel, to Craig Schwab, 77 WABC program director, to Matt Dahl, his 77 WABC assistant program director. And last but certainly not least, you guys and gals out there, because without you guys and gals, I'd have nobody here to talk to. That being said, until next time, it is I, Russ Salzberg, bidding you all bye-bye, so long, and farewell. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. 
Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.